Alright, I'm back in Connecticut. Been here for a while, been here for about like three weeks actually. Uh, we got the quarantine done. Three weeks in Connecticut, not a single podcast out. Haven't been doing that, haven't been doing shit. You know, I, uh, I did this podcast and I did it with the intention of doing it at least twice a week and I've just been swinging and missing. I haven't been putting anything up. Nothing at all. And why is that? You know, um, you make a bunch of excuses, say I was busy, say I had a lot going on. That's not it. Uh, it's 15 minutes, half hour, whatever I feel like recording, and I couldn't even get that done. And the reason is, is like, it, it's just habits. You know, um, anytime you make a new habit, anytime you pledge to do something, whether it's like learning the guitar or writing a podcast, like you have to cut out time to do it. And my whole strategy was like, oh yeah, Joe, when are you going to record the podcast? And I'm like, once, I don't know, a couple times a week, what day are you going to do it? I don't know, just a couple times a week. So, uh, you know, if you pick out Tuesdays at five that works. If you just pick a random day of the week and you go, hey, I'm going to do it during that, you never end up getting it done. And nothing got done. But I think I'm going to have a lot more time to do this and to record this podcast. And I'm going to have a lot more time because I got fired from my job. Yeah. Yesterday, 8 p.m., didn't see it coming at all. I got this phone call being like, hey, can we talk from my boss? And I was not expecting it at all. Uh, My contract got terminated. I'm done. I'm out. Devastating blow, not going to lie. Did not feel good. I liked that job. I liked the work that we were doing. I was feeling committed to the company. Thought the fueling was mutual. It was not. It sucks. I, I really can't put it bluntly. It sucks. I was making good money. The work wasn't crazy difficult. You know, you had to work overtime sometimes. Not the biggest deal in the world. But I'm out. And it sucks. I mean, uh, basically what happened there is I was an independent contractor. And so when you're an independent contractor, the amount of money that you make is a little bit higher than what you'd normally get paid for a role. And so you work as a contractor for you know a set period of time. They come in, they go, all right, it's a six-month contract. And then they periodically extend you, turn you to full-time, or fire you. And the reason they have you as an independent contractor is because they've got sort of shifting needs and personnel at the company. You know, let's say, like, you have a job that takes eight people to do. They find out it takes nine. They bring in a contractor because they know once the project is done, they can just cut you loose. Whereas if you were a full-time employee and, you know, they bring in nine people, all of a sudden they can't just get rid of you. They've got to go through all this legal process. There's a risk of them getting sued for wrongful termination, it can turn into a mess. They bring you as an independent contractor, pay you a little bit more money. They've also got to pay that salary to the company that found you. And my six-month contract turned into a 16-month contract. I was there for a long time. I really liked my job. I enjoyed it. I thought I was doing well. I thought I had a chance to be brought on full-time. I was dead wrong. I wasn't cutting it. 
there was too much going on in the past few months. Uh, there were some projects that I sort of let slip up. I mean, I really can't get too far into it, but the bottom line is I'm not going to make excuses. I could have done a lot better. Uh, I could have worked harder, and I didn't, and now here we are. But the bright side is this. Uh, when I was working at this job, I really, really did not cut enough time out to do stuff for comedy and things of the like. I filled up my comedy notebook, the one that I've been working on for a while, in July. I have not gone to Office Depot or something to get a new comedy notebook since then. That means I've barely been writing anything. If I wrote anything, it was on the computer. And because of like the way my ADD mind is structured, if I'm trying to write on the computer, nothing's getting done. So basically, no comedy's been written for almost two months. That's really not good. And on top of that, you know, the podcast, I've sort of let slip... And I haven't been working on booking any shows, which is the reason that I said I left San Francisco. I haven't booked a show in a month. I've got my first one next Friday. So this is a good opportunity. As much as this sucks, as much as I'm going to miss the money, and I'm going to miss the structure in my life, and I'm going to miss the people that I work with, it's kind of good. I needed to get torn down a little bit. I needed an opportunity to just focus on comedy for a little bit. And I'm not trying to be Mr. Silver Linings over here. Fuck that. This sucks. And that's... That's one of the things that like I, I really do have against our culture. Just like as Americans, as I think... Over the past few years, there's sort of been this like rah-rah positivity thing that's come in. Where everything's got to be spun to a positive. You know, everything is good everyone's got to focus on them and focus on being happy and I think it's really made us miserable because we just focus on trying to make ourselves happy trying to convince ourselves that we need to be happy all the time and I think that like honestly if you just let some things breathe and let them suck for a little bit shit starts to feel better I don't know like somebody a friend of mine will get like dumped by their girlfriend and one of the boys will come over and they'll go you know what this you'll get over it. You're going to feel better. Feel better. And it's like, no, fucking, it sucks. You have a right to be upset. Be upset. Let it suck for a little bit. And then if you let the suck happen and let yourself feel like shit, I'm not saying feel bad for yourself, but let yourself be miserable for a couple days, there's a chance you'll pull out of it. But if you just bury that emotion forever, there's always going to be this sort of like, I don't know, black cloud around the event. So I'm letting myself feel like shit. I slept until 11 today. I went to bed at midnight, slept until 11, and I'm going to take a day, I'm going to be bummed out about it, and then I'm going hard. I'm coming back, I'm focusing on comedy, I'm actually giving this thing the attention it deserves. Because, you know, how, how fucking arrogant of me was it to just be like, yeah, I want to be a professional comedian, and then not write, not focusing on making sketches at all, not booking shows, just like, oh yeah, I'm a professional comic. But I don't do comedy and I just sit around my house and make a TikTok once every two weeks. Like, could you be more arrogant, Joe? Really? It's... 
So that's what we're going to do. I mean, I've got this following that I've built up on TikTok. And granted, it's TikTok, and that might go away. The ironic thing is Walmart has teamed up with Microsoft for a bit at TikTok, which is hilarious. Because if the company, if the company that fired me acquires TikTok, oh, that's going to be fucking hilarious. But, man, that would be fucking funny. But here we are, unemployed, a man without a country. It's just, it's a wild time for me because everything in my life is changing. Um, I haven't lived at home in a while. I'm back here. I'm living with my parents and shit's sort of getting shaken up around here. Uh, my parents are sort of redoing the floors right now and that's going to take a couple weeks. So we are all packing up and we're moving into my grandmother's house. So I'm living in a place that I'm unfamiliar with. I am working a job I'm unfamiliar with, and I'm starting comedy basically from the ground up. I got pretty good at stand-up. I wasn't, you know, a world-class. I wasn't Bill Burr. I wasn't a guy that, you know, I think could be passed at the cellar, but I was pretty good. And now I'm starting over. Starting over at comedy. So I'm basically getting a fresh start in every single, every single area of my life. Every single one. And that's weird. I'm brand new. If I get a job, I'm going to be brand new at that job. If I start comedy again, or when I start comedy again, I'm going to be brand new at it. So we're starting from the ground up. I'm a complete rookie in every single aspect of my life. I'm figuring it out. It's fucking weird. Just looking back from where I was six months ago. Six months ago, I felt very secure in my job. And this is true for just about everybody. This is... September, September 4th, so if we look back at it and we go, okay, yeah, March 4th, March 4th, I think everybody's life was a lot different, I don't think I'm alone in this, I think the world felt different, it felt more calm, more stable, there was no lockdown, and then just at, like, levels of my personal life, you know, I was, uh, I was hanging out with the same people every weekend in San Francisco. I worked a job that I didn't have any inclination that I was going to get let go from at all. I felt very comfortable at it. I was past the San Jose Improv. I was doing comedy every single weekend. Not every single weekend, every single day. Like My life just was what it was. And then when this thing hit, I was like, okay, I've got time. You know, I can use this time to write. And I did some of that. I did some comedy writing every day. And then when there's just really no structure to your life and you're like, okay, yeah, I got to work nine to five and then I've got unlimited time. In theory, you could use that unlimited time to write an hour and still have more time than when you were doing stand up. But that's, you know, not the way it goes. That's not the way it went at all. You start slipping at the beginning, you're writing an hour a day, and then you're like, yeah, let me play Fortnite first. And you're working out too, and then that sort of starts slipping, and then before you know it, you're in this place where you're not working as hard as you should be, and you're not doing anything else well. I mean, a lot of people say with like comedy and a day job, it's this simple. It's like, you've either got to work full-time or you've got to do stand-up. It's it's really hard to work a desk job and do stand-up. I personally disagree. I think <laughs> I think that when I'm working full-time and doing stand-up full-time, I'm just going balls to the fucking wall. I get no breaks, but that's just my life. It just becomes my life. 
And then when I get a little bit more time, everything crumbles. And everything cracks. It's just hard. Because this isn't like the only thing that's frustrating in my life right now. I mean, we're all in this coronavirus thing together. It sucks. And it's not just that everybody's wearing masks. It's not just that like, life's kind of a bummer right now. And things aren't going so well. It's that... Uh, it's that fucking everybody's pissed at each other. I've never felt like I've lived in a society that's this bad where people can't even fucking talk to each other about anything. It's it's a bummer. I mean, I just feel like I've never lived in a society where people have been less willing to disagree with each other on anything ever. It's we've all got to be on the same page on every single issue. You feel like if you disagree with somebody on one issue, you're their moral enemy, and that's a bummer. I'm reading this book right now, it's called Principles by Ray Dalio, and it gets to this one section where he talks about opinions and how you should structure them. Now, this is a dude that's, you know, just been a very successful investor, and he's done a lot of really other interesting things, and he talks about how when it comes to forming your own opinions and figuring out how you believe in shit, you should actively seek out people that you disagree with and find how they feel about things and talk to them about the things that you disagree with. And I don't think what we're doing right now as a society could be any more different than that. Like, that's a great idea. You come up with something, you've got something your most rigidly held belief, the thing that you believe in the most in this world. And people just take these beliefs and they just assume that everything they believe in is true. They never talk to the other side. And I'm not talking just like picking on the left wing here, I'm picking on the right wing too. Like Trump supporters, if you disagree with them, it's like fucking, you're sacrilegious. And with the left wing, it's like if you disagree with them on one issue, you're some sort of XYZ phobe. Another book that I was reading back in the day, I, I forget which one it was, it might have been one of the Malcolm Gladwell books, but he talks about talks about this idea of like the devil's advocate and how important that is. Now the devil's advocate, evidently, that term came from the actual Catholic Church. The devil's advocate was an actual character that would sit in with meetings with the Pope, and his job was to be the advocate of the devil. So you're all in at this meeting and the Pope committee comes up and they come up with some idea and his job is no matter what the consensus is, even if every single other person in that room agrees and believes in that thing, you go in and you say, I disagree XYZ, even if that person doesn't believe in their disagreement, you vocalize it, you try to shoot the other side down. And I think like we've gotten to a point where like we won't even accept that type of person in our lives. Like every single view that we've got, there's nobody that challenges it. The left wing people hang out with the left wing people, the right wing people hang out with the right wing people, and it's a bummer. Everybody's just locked in. I don't want to say that we're headed for a civil war, but I, I think the country's just completely divided where we've gotten to two different sides and not only do they disagree with the other side, they can't even fathom how the other side got to that point. 
I don't know how I got to that. I got fucking fired. Why am I worried about the way other people feel about things? It is what it is. So what have I been doing personally to try to keep myself sane? I've actually gotten into golf recently. And I know, white kid going back home to Connecticut, living with his parents and playing golf. White privilege! Yeah, I I agree, actually, completely. <laughs> I've been golfing all the time. It's been fun as shit. Golf was a weird one for me, because for in order for me to get into golf, I had to get to a point in my life where like I wouldn't flip out on the course and I could actually enjoy a full nine. I needed to stay calm and like stay relaxed, and I think... At every other point in my life, I would get to this point in the day where I would just flip out. I would blow my gasket halfway through because I would go like birdie par, shoot a nine, flip out, and then have the worst round of my life after that. And I thought I was past that because I would go out and I would be shooting the chipper around in the backyard, having a good time, hanging out, and then I would just flip out on the golf course because I would miss a shot and ruin my entire round. And I thought I got past that because I went out and I golfed a couple times and I played really well. And they say the only thing that like keeps you out there is you have one good stroke and you feel it. And I think that's the truth with everything, right? It's like the only reason people run is because you have one good run and then after that you feel fucking great for the rest of the day and it's it keeps you coming back. Golf keeps you coming back with like one great shot. Actually, that's a bad analogy. That's a terrible analogy. I think, like, there's certain things where it's, like, hockey. If you have one great goal, then you're back. I think running keeps you back and lifting keeps you back with the way you feel after. And that's sort of a consistent feeling with golf. You know, sometimes you just come off and you're like, fuck this. This is the worst. I think it's good that I have a hobby, especially now, because I'm going to have a lot more time to play. Get over it. You got fucking fired. Deal with it. Gelf. I always fucking hated golf as a kid. Growing up with fucking ADD and just like a light touch of anxiety, golf was pretty much the worst thing that I could do to my mind. Just get out there on the course. It's like in Connecticut, it's the summertime. It's like 100 degrees. You got your bag. You're young, so they're not going to let you drive the cart, and you're walking around with the golf bag, sweating bullets, hitting terrible shots, hitting it in the woods, losing all the balls in your bag, having to go back, find more in the woods, and then keep playing. It was terrible. Oh, poor me. I grew up playing golf in Connecticut. My life is terrible. Just saying, it's a new sport that I'm trying to get into. I'm trying to do new things. And I'm going to have a lot more time to do it. And I think the key right now is just to sort of, like, build some structure. Find some things that I can actually do and then, like, lean into it and get into it. Yeah. Seeing people in the neighborhood. I'm walking around my home neighborhood right now. It's pretty awesome. It's fun. We've had some good times walking by one of my friends' house. We did some very degenerate things in that house. He's gone. He's left the neighborhood. A lot of other people have. It just feels like the end of an era here, man. I'm shaking up. I'm moving out of here. Not permanently, but just for the time being. <laughs> moving out of my neighborhood for two weeks. Acting like it's the end of the world. Where was I going with all this? Anyway, you see that Mike Milbury thing? That was fucking crazy. Those of you that don't know, Mike Milbury is this, like, hockey commentator. He's pretty good. 
it's on NBC all the time talking about hockey and uh, so basically the NHL much like the NBA is in this bubble they're playing in Toronto you're not allowed to go back you're not allowed to see your families stressful sitting up there in this bubble but you know there's no distractions you're playing in you're playing all day hanging out with the boys when you get off the ice it's all you've got to do the only thing that you can focus on is hockey so Mike Milbury brings this up he's like yeah so uh, you know it's got to be good for some of these guys they uh, can't be distracted by the ladies and I get it you know some people are saying that ladies are just a distraction and that's mildly sexist to say. Ladies are just a distraction, but you know what he fucking meant. In order for you to extrapolate that to like a sexist level, you've got to take his comment and put it in some different context than he meant. What he meant is these guys aren't out chasing women all the time, so they're gonna play way fucking better. And it's true. So this guy, this Mike Milbury guy, ends up getting fired for saying this. Because they said it was a sexist, unforgivable, vile comment. I don't get it. Seems pretty tame to me. And for us to all as a society just sort of claim that we're not saying like shit like that ever in our entire lives, that we've never said anything that fucked up, Shut up. I mean, like, if you've never said anything to that level in your entire life, I just have no interest in being friends with you. It's not like we're all sitting around bashing women all the time, but the thing is, we've all said some fucked up shit before. Things that are way worse than that. And you know what? I'm sure women actually are a distraction for these guys. Gotta be tough. I'll tell you one story about hockey. So, uh... I lived in Boston for three years, um, 2015 to 2017, so yeah, it was three years, it was a fucking blast. We had a great time. We were going out all the time during this era. We were having a blast, living with all my friends, and uh, there was this one night, there's this nightclub, it was this club that my cousin worked at, it was called Venue. And we would go there all the time. It was awesome because we were just like these dudes who like we weren't fucking loaded We were just hanging out with the boys and there was this nightclub that this was where like all the rich Spanish kids would go All the rich international kids would go and just ball out, but my family worked there So all these rich kids would have to fucking wait in line They'd be dressed to the nines and we'd show up in jeans and a t-shirt and we'd get to just skip the entire line and come right in It was fucking awesome. We felt like rock stars so anyway, one night, we're out, and this band, not this band, this like DJ group called the Chainsmokers, is playing down the road, they're playing at this club called, uh, I think they were playing, I forget what it's called, the Royale. And so, a couple of my friends ended up going to this concert, and they're going to have this after party venue where these guys are going to come through, they're going to play these songs, just a couple songs. But it's a club of like 400 people. Granted, these guys are now playing like arenas. They're playing like Madison Square Garden. So this was a hot ticket. A couple of my friends called me. They're like, Joe, you want to go to the Chainsmokers at Venue? Like, could you get us in? Is that possible? And I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of pretending like my friends made me go. I It was going to be a cool night. So I was excited. I was like, fuck it, let's go. So I called my cousin. She's like, I can get four of you in. 
So four of us are now slated good to go to see this after party with the chain smokers. So we rolled in, we get in there and I'm looking around and this is like very clearly like an invite only kind of ticket thing where the only way you got into this thing was if you knew somebody. We're hanging out and there's this group of like very attractive sort of square jawed guys with nice hair and everything. And I, I'm looking at them and it becomes pretty apparent these guys are the Boston Bruins. I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's fucking Pasternak. Holy shit, like look at these guys. And they're young and they're handsome and they're tall and they just have like a field of women around them. It's crazy. But I'm standing about a yard away from these guys, like literally could reach out and touch these dudes. And I realized that I'm getting some looks, too. Some of these girls think that I'm, like, on the Boston Bruins. <laughs> now, granted, I was wearing, like, a long sleeve shirt. And if I was wearing a short sleeve, my skinny-ass arms would have given it away that I do not play professional hockey. But some of these girls, like, really got the impression pretty quick that that's what I did. And so I would be talking to these girls, and I just, like, made a joke out of it. I would just fuck with these girls. They'd talk to me for a while. They'd be like, what's going on? How are you? And they were like, what, well, what, what position do you play? You know, expecting me to say like left wing or back right defense or center. And I would just be like, I play coder. <laughs> and they go, you play coder? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a programmer. And I would just instantly see the disappointment just wash over these girls' face. And I would watch them just walk back to the bar and try to find another hockey player. Oh, that was great. So, yeah, for these guys to say, oh, yeah, women aren't really a distraction for these guys. Women are an insane distraction for these guys, especially if you're playing in Boston and you're a handsome young hockey player. Just having that portion of your life, just the, the constant. I knew a guy who knew a guy who played for the Bruins for a little bit and just the DMs getting lit up from girls all around town, just Instagram models and stuff. For that distraction to be cut out, I would say, yeah, it's a no-brainer that these young guys are going to play so much better than they were playing outside of the bubble. So for Mike Milbury to say that, it's not sexist, it's just a fact. It's just what's going to happen. You're going to play better hockey without all this around you. It's fucking crazy. It's nuts, because, like, I don't want to be the guy that says, eh, I'm not going into this. Fuck that. When I say what I got to say about all that, I want to have it, like, figured the fuck out. I don't want to stumble my words here. But anyway, Mike Milbury shouldn't have been fired. And the reality is there's people who do deserve to get cut out. I'm not saying cancel culture is something that shouldn't happen. For some people, it's legitimate consequences for your actions. You did some fucked up shit. People tried to go to the law about it. It's way too hard to press charges and get people in trouble. And get them fired and get them arrested. So what you have to do is you have to pursue other avenues and get them in trouble in their day-to-day -day life. It's what should happen to some people. But for people to go after a guy who's just a lifetime hockey commentator for saying something, in my opinion, pretty fucking benign and honestly true, and to get that guy's livelihood taken away, 
for you to pretend like your heart is in the right place in that situation is just a fucking lie. You're not trying to help people out. You're not trying to be an advocate of women. You're just trying to fuck some guy's life up. Granted, like I said, there's some people that fucking deserve it. It's not this fucking guy. And honestly, I think you're just setting yourself back. It's making your whole fucking movement look bad. It is what it is. How did we get off that? Well, anyway, to wrap this thing up, uh, I guess I'll say this. The firing's a fucking bummer. I did not see it coming one bit. Um, I'm not going to pretend like I'm not upset. I am. I'm going to allow myself to be upset. I'm going to be bummed out, but I'm going to use this as an opportunity to come back harder and stronger with everything that I'm doing, this podcast included. So there's going to be some more fucking episodes this week. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get the gear that I need to make the podcast work. I'm going to set up a little mini studio. And again, also one last thing. I apologize if you can hear wind and shit blowing around in crickets. I have a Zoom recorder. I walk around. I do the podcast walking when I do it solo on a little field recorder. And I just don't have the mental capacity to sit down on a laptop and crank out even a five-minute podcast by myself. I can't just talk to myself into a laptop screen with a microphone. It's not going to work. So for the group podcast, for podcasts with other people, the quality is going to be way higher. But when it's just me, I I realistically can't just sit down and crank out a podcast at a laptop. So I got to walk around and get it done here. So this is what you get. Field recordings. I'm sure you can hear the crickets chirping and stuff. I am outside. It is fucking beautiful. It's a beautiful day. Got some stuff to be thankful for. My life is a little fucked up right now, but you know what? We're going to get it done. Um, if you listen to this point, you listen to the whole thing, thank you so much. Uh, I would ask you to fucking like and share it, but the thing is, if you got to this point, you listen to the whole thing, that's more than enough for me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a killer day, and uh, we'll see you soon.